0: Welcome to the Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With the Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets. Uh, here for your weekend edition of the Bull and the Bear podcast, um, as we as we do each weekend. Uh, Myself, uh, uh, Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore, and our chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell uh, will uh, give you a credible pick that we have uh, looked at and examined. We've spent the entire week scouring the stock universe and and putting in our our brain power to come up with these three stocks. Now, today you're going to get two. Adam O'Dell actually has a scheduling conflict. He is not going to join us this weekend, but with me is Charles Sizemore. Uh, He will be joining us, but before I get to all that, that, I do want to remind you to uh, head over to moneyandmarkets.com after you watch this video or listen to this podcast uh, and sign up for our free daily e-letter each and every day of the week, uh, all seven days, myself, Charles, Adam, uh, the entire team, we work very, very hard to make sure we're giving you safe and profitable investment information to really bolster your portfolio. So just go over to MoneyMarkets.com and sign up for that daily e-letter. You get it for free each and every morning. We hardly even take holidays off, which, you know, much to Charles and I's chagrin, uh, we just we don't take days off. We we, we want to work and make sure we're providing all that great information for you to help you become profitable in a safe and smart and simple manner. So make sure you check that out. Now, uh, obviously, like I said, we're going to jump right into it. I want to talk about uh, two companies. I know uh, Charles has one. I have one. They are on completely different ends of the spectrum. I you could not be more varied in terms of what these two companies are and what they do. So I'm going to first turn it over to Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore. Uh, First off, Charles, welcome. Welcome back uh, to Texas. Uh, Welcome back to the United States after your sojourn to Peru. Uh, You are back home in the Lone Star State. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about what's on your mind. What what, you, what have you spent this week uh, scouring the, the net and the charts and, and the graphs and the financial data and the dividends? What what have you what have you been looking at this week?
1: The shoe store. I'll I'll get to that in a second. But so uh, my I started with the premise that look the uh, the economy is getting back to normal. It is in fits and starts, but as virus cases recede, vaccine rollout continues you are the theme of 2021 is normalcy the return to normalcy so uh, what i see happening is a big surge of what i would call frivolous purchases just going to the mall going to the store just going out and throwing money around because you can now over the last year i think we've all been guilty of just out of sheer boredom of nothing else buying frivolous stuff on amazon just buying frivolous stuff on the internet and just boxes magically appear at your front door Full of junk you don't really need but in that impulse moment you're like yes i need this boom well as uh, as we get out and yeah just stores are you know actually in texas today as of well, not as, as of today as of a couple of days ago texas is now completely open um no restrictions just open the doors let's, let's 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 do this probably a little premature but uh that is you know that is going to be the theme across the country little by little and so with no further ado my completely frivolous purchase stock of this week is Boot Barn, ticker symbol BOOT, B-O-O-T. As a proud Texan, and this is also a, a celebration of my return to Texas after you know, six weeks of being away, but uh, as a proud Texan, I can tell you there is nothing more gratifying and also frivolous than uh, a, a purchase of a pair of boots. They are expensive. They are actually ridiculously impractical. You see the boot; it has a tapered toe, which is uncomfortable. It has a heel. It's actually for considering this is macho, you know, masculine footwear. It's actually remarkably feminine. It has a high heel. and has a pointed toe. It's completely impractical for any purpose other than actually riding a horse. Yet uh, most Texans do have at least one pair of boots in their closet that they they bring out from time to time. I have more than one pair, I won't tell you exactly how many. Uh, I do have friends that have a ridiculous collection of exotic boots, everything from ostrich to hippo skin. Did you even know you could buy hippo skin boots? You can. Um, So anyway, boots are a ridiculous expense, but they're fun, they they are. And so uh, this theme here is, look, people are gonna get out as the economy normalizes, they're gonna throw money around on ridiculous stuff, Including cowboy boots, so boot barn. I, I I like this stock because it rates exceptionally well across all of our metrics, except for you know one or two at the bottom. But uh, sports an overall rating of ninety, which is very uh, firmly in strong bullish territory. Uh, the company uh, surprisingly, it's headquartered in California, which is not really the the image you would expect for a for a for a boot company. For crying out loud, you'd expect it to be based in. Texas, or I don't know, just New Mexico somewhere, right? You would not expect, uh, you would not expect California, but what do I know? Uh, they have a total of 260 stores, 260 stores spread across 35 states. At any rate, uh, digging into the details, it rates highest based on growth, and this is particularly impressive considering uh, what the last year has looked like. Now, of course, their growth story goes back further than the past year, over the past uh, since 2013, they've actually compounded their sales at a 20% annualized rate, which is which is very strong uh, for a a purchase that frivolous. But what's also impressive is over the last 12 months, they've managed to grow their sales by about 7%. Now, think about that. Um, this is you know, in in-person retail has really been. Crimped over the last year, you don't have a lot of people going to stores, throwing a lot of money around right now. This has been a just burning dumpster fire of a year for brick and mortar retail, and these guys still managed to increase their sales by a very solid seven percent year over year. That's that's impressive. Uh, momentum. This stock, I'm actually surprised it doesn't rate a bit higher. It, don't, it rates a you know only an eighty-eight based on momentum. But from its 52-week lows to its, its, its current price, the shares have exploded by more than a factor of eight. I mean, these things have, these shares have just been on fire of late and uh, don't look to be slowing down anytime soon. Uh, the company also rates really well based on quality. It rates an 85. Now, our quality score has a couple components. Um, what drives the high score here for Boot Barn is uh primarily it's high return ons it has very solid return on equity return on assets return on investments um it, it rates very very highly across the board there uh, in kind of straight uh, 90 and above across the board value it, it rates respectably well at, at a 69 that's not uh as high as some of these other metrics but it's definitely solid i like to see high quality high momentum stocks trading at a discount. And that's exactly what we have here. It, it's, it's pretty rare, honestly, when you see a high momentum, high growth, high quality stock, you're normally paying up for it. it it's rare to get stocks that rate exceptionally high across the board like that and also get them at a, at a good value score. But in Boot Barn, that's exactly what we're getting. And remember, value, all these metrics are backward looking. They're based on the historical data. I think the numbers are about to get a lot better because again, the economy is normalizing and Americans, if we are good at one thing, it is throwing money around on frivolous stuff. So uh, I think this, this, this story only gets better. Now where it drops off a little bit, um, this is not a small company. It's a $1.7 billion company by market cap. So it's middle of the pack based on size with a rating of 57 and uh, volatility actually rates fairly low. It rates at about 29. This is a volatile stock. Um, yeah, any stock that goes up by more than a factor of eight in fifty-two weeks is is clearly going to be volatile. The beta is, is almost three on this. Uh, in in layman's terms, this that means this stock moves roughly three times as much as the S and P five hundred. So this is definitely a stock that will. Uh, this is like a, I'm going to go here. It's like riding the bull at the rodeo. You just got to hold on for dear life here. Uh, <laughs> I see you rolling your eyes. I'm just happy can, to be back in Texas. I can,
0: I, I can almost not believe you did that. <laughs> but then again, I can completely believe that you went there. So, you know. I'm
1: just so happy to be back in Texas. I, anyway, um, this is a volatile stock. And my general rule, uh, rule of thumb on a volatile stock like this is keep your position size a little bit smaller. If, if your normal position size, and I'm, this is, I'm making this number up, but let's say your typical position size is you put $10,000 into a stock. Or something this volatile, I might say drop it down to five or something. It's, you know, a stock this volatile should be a smaller piece of your portfolio. But uh, that said, volatility can work to your favor. Uh, Volatile stocks can shoot to the moon. They're just, they are a roller coaster ride. So that's it. That's my pick for this week boot barn. So Boot
0: Barm trades uh, trades under B O O T. Interesting uh, of note, uh, I, I grew up in Kansas, and and Kansas was the home of uh, Wichita, where I, my hometown was the home of Sheplers. Sheplers there is a go. big Western Western store it was lo- is located out on the west side of town, out by the airport, huge warehouse and huge huge uh, share. Uh, showroom floor and all that, uh, Sheplers is now actually a part of uh, Boot Barn. So I, I thought that was uh, just a very interesting nugget. And as, as much as I, I understand that the, the, the two companies that we're talking about are completely different, the actual stories here are fairly similar. And that is kind of building on the idea that we're getting back to normal. Not Texas normal. or not doing it at warp speed, um, but, but you know things are getting back to a degree of normalcy. I don't know when, I don't know that we'll ever be back to where we were in 2019 uh, until, I don't know, 2022, 2023, maybe. I think there's just going to be a lot of things at play there. But there are things like retail that are starting to uh, starting to come back and, and, and reach a small degree of normalcy, whatever that happens to be. And, and there's another sector that I think is, is also trying to build itself back to normalcy and probably doing it um, – with a little bit more expediency than retail. I'll back all this up by saying, when I, uh, before I joined Adam and Charles on the team here at Money Markets, you know, I I was uh, the editor of a business publication in the upstate of South Carolina. The upstate of South Carolina is basically the I-85 corridor between Charlotte and Atlanta. And what makes this corridor so unique is that it is a manufacturing hub. There, is, there are manufacturing companies up and down 85 and then up and down 26, which runs between Spartanburg and Columbia, uh, that support uh, you know BMW manufacturing, which is the only uh, only U.S. plant to construct BMW uh, vehicles uh, in the United States. Uh, any X vehicle that you see, the X2, 3, 4, 5, 6, even the X7, those are all produced in Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, and, and uh, then there's Michelin North America, the famous French Tire maker. Their their North American production headquarters in the Upstate, uh, between Greenville and Spartanburg. Borg Warner. This is a, a Michigan based part uh, auto parts manufacturer that has a huge production facility and technical plant located near Anderson and Seneca, uh, South Carolina in that Upstate. But the whole point of that is, is during my time there, I had the opportunity to talk with you know, a lot of people that worked at, at, at those facilities. And I really liked being able to talk to the the, the floor worker, you know, the, the, the people that were on the line. And, and I wanted to get a better feel just for what they did and how they did it. And of course, there's a lot of fascination uh, in, in manufacturing with robotics and automation. That is, those are the new buzzwords when you think about, you know, manufacturing is automation. How can we automate processes to where humans don't necessarily have to do it all? And how can we get robotics involved? Because robotics, r- robots take orders, they, you know, and it's, and it's a lot more workable to, to management uh, than it is to just have, you know, 10,000 employee staff uh, at a manufacturing facility. But it only goes so far. There's still a, a significant human element in manufacturing, and I think there's always going to be. I don't think you're you're never going to go into a facility and just be all strictly robots. I, I just don't think that's going. Uh, it, it's a it's a nice dream, and it may happen in 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 three decades. It's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, now, the challenge for each of these companies, whether you are the end user like like BMW or Michelin, or whether you're a tier supplier or part of the supply chain like a Borg Warner. Um, you know, you always have to meet specifications and Borg Warner doesn't just work for BMW. Borg Warner makes parts for a wide variety of companies, even Tesla, I believe they, they make parts for Tesla, uh, as well as Ford, GM, Volvo, uh, Volvo trucks, you know, they, they, so they have different specifications that they have to meet. And and these specifications are wide ranging anywhere from, uh, the, the specific, size of tires for, for a vehicle to sizes for parts for your car's Bluetooth interface or, um, you know, microchips. These, these measurements have to be very precise and they have to be correct down to the millimeter, if not even smaller. Uh, now, the company I want to talk about today specializes in providing hardware and software that allows technicians at plants like BMW and Michelin and Warner and millions of other plants across the globe um, actually use three-dimensional measuring. Uh, And and it's kind of an interesting thing. I had an opportunity to actually see this in action a little bit. Now, the three-dimensional 3D measuring allows technicians to really immerse themselves uh, in in, in the look and feel of a chip or a tire or an engine or whatever. And and this company is a a, a leader in the world of 3D measuring, especially for manufacturing. It's Faro Technologies Incorporated. trades on the NASDAQ. The ticker is F-A-R-O. It's based actually here in Florida. It's based in Lake Mary, Florida, uh, and creates products like its Faro arm. This is a portable 3D measurement arm. It's basically a small, a small arm about, that's, I, I can't quite proportion it on the screen here, but uh, you know, it's a good size, it's not big, but it's a good size arm that a technician uses and gets a, a 3D uh, uh, model and, and image of whatever that is they're trying to measure. And then they've also got their Faro Focus. Uh, this is a laser scanner, uh, that works to create a visual template uh, that operators can use accurately and, and actually position components in a 3d world. Very cool stuff. I mean, it's, it's very, it's not, a, it's been around for a while. It's just one of those things where it's kind of been prohibitive in terms of cost, but that has actually uh, worked itself out, you know, making Faro one of the, one of the leaders that companies go to for this type of, uh, of measurement and, and, and this type of assembly. Now, it markets its products globally uh, to a variety of manufacturing sectors, as I said, including automotive. Automotive is probably the biggest. Uh, they, are, uh, they have a big uh, following in Michigan with a, a lot of uh, uh, both tier one suppliers and end using uh, manufacturers in automotive and also in South Carolina uh, as well. Now, the entire manufacturing industry, as, you, as everyone knows, is kind of like retail, It, it was especially brick and mortar retail. It took a pretty substantial hit in 2020 thanks to the coronavirus pandemic, you know, uh, plants around the world were locked down, shut down for months at a time. And even when they did start to build back up, it was at a very limited, even still at a very limited capacity. Uh, and that had an effect on, on, uh, on Farrow technologies as well. Um, if I, I look at the actual projected total revenue, uh, Ferro reported total revenue of about 308, 300, I'm sorry, 303.8 million in all of 2020. That was a 20% decline from the year before. Uh, but as lockdowns come to an end, manufacturing production starts to pick back up. Uh, Faro is expecting a relatively quick recovery um, from that down year. In 2021, projections have the company bringing in $348.6 million in total revenue, uh, which is also very close to its 2019 figures before the pandemic. Uh, and then it's going to surpass and actually blow away uh, 2019 figures uh, by 2022 with about $391 million in revenue, and then $430 million in projected revenue in 2023. So uh, that's a 41% increase in total revenue from 2019 uh, and a 7% jump in revenue from its best year in 2018. So to put all that in perspective, Faro is not only going to, you know, start recovering, it's actually going to recover and position itself better than before the pandemic. Um, I know that's a lot of numbers to throw out. I kind of want to put that in context for you. Um, uh, I, I also take a look at diluted earnings per share. Uh, Pharaoh, uh, has, is going to see another uh, dramatic jump in coming years. Um, they had a loss of about $3 and 60 cents a share. Uh, they're going to, they're going to actually, and that was in 2019. That's actually going to grow to a gain of $4 and 70 cents per share by 2023. So if you think about that, if you just, you know, no rough math or anything, that that's a triple digit gain in earnings per share in just four years. That's, that's huge. I mean, that, that is a massive massive, uh, uh, it's very impressive to see on its balance sheet for sure. And if you're an investor, also something you definitely take notice of. Uh, And it's really a nice recovery for this company from the coronavirus pandemic that saw all of manufacturing suffer. Uh, The stock has already recovered pretty nicely from March 2020. Um, It it hit a 52-week low, about $36 back in March, Uh, but it's taken off, especially of late in February. The stock gained around 62% in the months following the coronavirus crash, but then only inched its way up after that it kind of traded sideways it didn't really move robustly um, but then it had a massive jump in February and it now stands at $92 a share up from $36 a share it's 154% increase from March 2020 uh, and I don't think that momentum is going to stop anytime soon uh, I also compared Faro to the S&P 500 and it, uh, it that company stock is actually blowing the rest of the market away. Um, Farrow has gained about 65% in its share price in the last 12 months compared to just 28% generated by the broader market during the same time. Again, I don't think this trend is going to stop anytime soon. I also, I, you know, another component to throw in there in my analysis is I look at Adam's six factor green zone ranking system. Farrow Technologies ranks an 89 overall, um, which again, puts it, it puts it in the strong bullish category. It, it is right there in that top metric. Uh, it's where we like to see stocks that we recommend or, or suggest that you look at. It's, it's right in that sweet spot. Uh, it means we are strong bullish on the stock. We do expect it to outperform the broader market by at least three times over the next 12 months. Uh, Farrell ranks in the green in four of the five metrics that we account for. In, in growth and size, it ranks a 77. Uh, in momentum and quality, it ranks a 75. And in volatility, it ranks a 69. All those are right in the green. Now, it does uh, it does get a little low in value. It's a 45. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to its massive increase in stock price over uh, of late. It's, it's kind of put its PE ratios uh, at, at a point to where it's kind of astronomical to look at in terms of what its price to earnings ratio is at this point. But, you know, a lot of stocks, even with the recent pullback, are still rather frothy. They're still rather, uh, rather overvalued. So I don't really see that as a huge concern. Um, you know, I, I still think there's a lot of room to run with Faro. It's a good growth. It's a good quality play. It's got strong upward momentum, very little downtrending. Uh, and, and I think, you know, really my bottom line here is that manufacturing is making a comeback in a big way, not just in the US, but globally. Uh, manufacturers are going to rely heavily on companies like Faro Technologies uh, and their 3D measuring uh, to get production lines, not only back up to speed, but greatly improved and in a very short time. So I think that this is a stock definitely worth your time to look at. Uh, I think it's got a lot of potential. It's a manufacturing play. You could also consider this maybe even a smart tech play or a 3D technology play. Uh, a lot of different ways you can kind of angle this if, if you're looking for a different uh, a way of trying to figure out. That was another reason why I picked it. This is very diverse. I mean, it's you can look at it as manufacturing. You can look at it as three-dimensional. You can look at it as AI. You can look at it as smart tech. You can look at it in a couple different ways in terms of how maybe you want to position it in your portfolio. So uh, Faro Technologies trades on the NASDAQ under F-A-R-O. Uh, Charles Sizemore, I'll, I'll leave you with a parting shot here. What uh, uh, you know, t- let's talk about uh, let's talk about yeah, these two stocks
1: a little bit. Yeah, sure. Well, you re- you bring up a point. you're like, what well, is it? Manufacturing? Is it AI? Is it smart tech? It's all of the above because there's really no this. This is a thing about the modern world. How do you even really say what a, a tech stock is now? I mean, is, is Chipotle Mexican Grill a tech stock because they had a cutting edge app? Before anybody else, that allowed you to customize your burrito. Exactly. I, that I, that's a silly example. Obviously. No, but I think it's, I think it's, I think
0: there's credibility to that because that, that yeah. is you know that it's no longer a basket of tech
1: stocks. It, it's, uh, it's, know, it's the I line mean, is, so is, is all blurred now. It, it, essentially, everything's a tech stock. You know, exactly. Tesla it, it, is Tesla an auto company or is it a tech company? Well, that's debatable. Right. Is and Amazon that, a retailer or is it a tech company? That's debatable. So I think this is this is kind of brings up a bigger theme about how how pervasive tech is now and and what that means for future productivity i think the um, Pharaoh is interesting because it is a play on manufacturing but it's it's a play on automated manufacturing more than anything else and, yeah. and that's that that's it you know manufacturing is returning to america uh one of the the by bypro- this was already happening anyway but but a uh, a byproduct of the pandemic kind of sped this up and that's you know, companies are looking to shorten their supply chains but in the same sense you know, labor is messy. It's complicated. It, it, finding you know, skilled labor is hard. You know, getting them trained is hard. Getting them to stick around is hard. Uh, machines don't leave. Machines don't need a raise. Machines don't you know, get sick. Uh, right. Machines don't go out on, on leave or take vacations. So it's, um, I think this is part of a, a good, durable, long-term theme.
0: And, and just to note, one robot programmer or one PLC or you know programmable logic control programmer can control six to ten robots. So just to put that in perspective, you got one human that can control six and six can control a line so that and in terms this of is how the robot
1: with, revolution starts
0: with Skynet, <laughs> and <laughs> exactly exactly it'll be terminator in 20 years uh but i mean no I, but i still think there is a huge human element to manufacturing i think there always will be now i and i well, think it's, it's you more, need humans it, for that
1: creative spark you know what 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 is it you're making what is it why are you making it uh, right. who are you selling it to you, you all human interventions without that human intervention there's no reason for any of this to ever get started of course exactly and if you look at automotive
0: automotive isn't static Um, these models of vehicles aren't the same from year in to year out and and uh, a robot only knows what it what it is programmed and but in order to get that programming and to make those you know augmentations to align or uh, when it, it takes a human
1: and it takes a skilled human and I think that's where AI, no AI can look for improvements. AI can look for uh, efficiencies. AI can take a process and make it cleaner, make it more efficient, but AI is not going to start it. No, a- AI, AI not is gonna not going to implement it. No, exactly. So,
0: so you know, to kind of put a, a bow tie on things, uh, Charles uh, talked about boot, uh, boot barn, uh, based out. interestingly enough, based out of California, um, but uh, I'm sure a very heavy presence in his homestead, Texas. Uh, it trades uh, on the ticker BOOT, uh, I, uh, I recommended Faro technologies incorporated, uh, which is based here in Florida. Uh, it trades on the NASDAQ under F A R O. So those are your two recommendations heading into the weekend. Uh, we'll have much, much more next week. We'll have the marijuana market update as well as a couple more, uh, recommendations for you on the bull and the bear podcast. Don't uh, forget our week ahead, which will be coming out on Sunday to get you prepped and ready for the coming week, whatever it may have in store, whether it is, uh, you know, high yield bonds, uh, a tech sell-off, uh, you know, whatever, or a combination of the two as it has been this week, um, You know, whatever that happens to be, make sure you check out our week ahead uh, that comes out as well. So uh, head over to moneymarkets.com, get signed up for our free daily e-letter. Myself, Charles, Adam, uh, we contribute all the time. Uh, our team works very diligently, very hard. Uh, we have a great team that, that helps that helps us uh, make what to make what we do way way better than what it was when we started. So uh, they they deserve all the kudos in the world, and they they all we all work very hard to make sure we give you safe, sound, smart, simple, profitable information to help with your portfolio. Uh, I don't think I'm missing I don't think I'm missing anything else. Hope everyone has a great weekend and gets uh, gets things started on the right foot for the next week. For Green Zone Fortunes co-editor Charles Sizemore, I am research analyst Matt Clark with Money Markets and your host of the Bull and the Bear podcast. Until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to the Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.